you are uh, listening at home, we're going to get started here this morning. Um, we're continuing a, uh, a Sunday school series on the church um, and uh, what its implications are for us as Christians. Uh, we'll pray and then we'll talk about a few things leading into today's Sunday school class. Um, let us go ahead and pray here this morning. Our God and our Father, we give you praise. We thank you for your faithfulness to your people, the church. Thank you for calling us to draw near to you and to be your people. We thank you for the redemption that is found in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, please complete the good work you've begun in all of us. And Lord, we know you are faithful to the very end for your church. In Jesus' name, amen. So I guess the first thing is on a personal level, there are no babies yet. Oh, wow. um, after going down there and having five days of all kinds of trips into the, the medical facilities and ongoing um, contractions and thinking we're ramping up and then, you know, not quite getting there, it's almost come to a, a pause. And she went through a good part of yesterday, I think, without very many uh, contractions at all. but. The word on the street from the medical folks is that they'll be, uh, they won't let it go past Friday, so. Castor oil. Castor oil. <laughs> you know, a lot of times, a lot of times they talk about, they talk about uh, walking, but she's got, uh, one of the babies is kind of pushing up against uh, an artery to the leg, so one of her legs is kind of swollen up, so she's been basically, she gets on one of those big uh, exercise balls and just kind of tries to move about with that. But you can keep praying for my daughter, Hannah. We'd certainly appreciate it. Um, also, um, during this busy time of traveling about, um, I had the opportunity to go down to Monroe, um, not to visit family, although I did manage to squeeze a little of that in, uh, but to go down there for the Christendom lectures. For many, many years, um, Church of the Redeemer, formerly known as Auburn Avenue Presbyterian Church, has had pastor's conferences. Um, a few years ago, they thought it was a good marketing idea to rename it the Christendom Lectures because then more people would come. And I was like, I don't know where I was when they made that decision. Um, as much as I love my people, I don't think the average person out there who says, man, Christendom, I don't even know what that word means. So if you're trying to get more people, I don't know that was a great name. I understand the concept behind it, though. Um, the uh, idea being that we want to include all of the body Christ, all of the church uh, in what we're doing. At any rate, the, uh, you know, my motivation was I, I figured I'd get something out of the discussions, uh, but uh, I was also wanted to have the opportunity to fellowship uh, with pastors and other uh, elders and, and other Christians at the conference. And in that way, um, it was really, really good. Um, I got some some time with uh, Randy Booth, who was one of the early founders of our denomination. Um, he's out of Texas. Uh, we had uh, Yuri Brito uh, was there, and uh, he was actually one of the speakers. And uh, we had uh, um, Bill Smith. All, th all of those guys are all presiding ministers on the presiding minister council for our denomination. Um, as well as a number of other pastors and, and leaders in our denomination. And it was really encouraging for me to be among 
uh, these men that, that I'm, I'm glad to call my friends and, and mentors in so many ways. The uh, topic, though, was how Christians can stand firm in a world gone mad. And, uh, you know, if you think to yourself, well, there's, you know, looking around us, we can say, hey, there's, there's some good, uh, there's going to be some good points. There was uh, Dr. Micah Maddox. Uh, he's a, uh, got a Ph.D., teaches at Regent University just down the road in the in Norfolk area. Um, and then we had Dwayne Garner. He's a COAC pastor in uh, the Cary, North Carolina area. We had Mark Horn, which I know at least at this point, most of you have at least heard of by virtue of the book Solomon Says. Um, he's also uh, written a, a great commentary on the book of Mark, um, a good theologian. He's trying to finish up his efforts uh, on a uh, commentary on the book of Ephesians. And uh, we had Yuri Brito also deliver a couple of talks as well. So it was really, it was really stoked. So, but there were a couple of good, interesting observations that I thought that actually fit into what I'm trying to drive at with these discussions, these Sunday school lessons on what it means to be the church. Um, you know, following the pandemic, many churches uh, found ways to stream their services. Some, like uh, this church right here in the beginning, you know, were just utilizing a little bit of technology, um, creating their own little meeting groups and... Uh, and streaming to a, a closed group, um, and then others um, developed, you know, with more resources, developed other things. Over time, we were able to put in a nice uh, streaming service here with being able to put it on YouTube and open it up a little bit. Um, by the way, um, and, and uh, you know, we also have Sam over there who's so graciously um, taking the audio and putting it on Spotify for us. Um, it's interesting, though, I would tell you this, that a great deal of the folks that have visited in the last eight or nine months typically stream at least two of our services um, before they come, right? They want to figure out, see what we're like, um, and even though you can't really see the people so much, um, you, you, you do get a sense of what's happening in the service as well, and that, that's a, a good tool as people are looking for churches to attend. But there was an interesting thing. All this online church started, and we've talked about this, about how individualism um, is destructive, isolation is destructive, and so we, we saw all that in our personal lives, in the lives of the church, and in so many other uh, situations, this is John, um, so many other situations. Um, that, uh, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Um, but, and I, I saw this when I first came here, one of the things I saw, we had all these college students that were associated with the church in a variety of different ways, and they were as lonely as I have ever seen, right? Um, so one of the first things we tried to do was just create some events to come up to the house and, and let them get together because they were doing their classrooms. In some cases, they, they were doing their classes online in their dorm rooms, and the colleges were merely coming by and dropping off their, their food at the door of their dorm rooms. They were completely isolated, you and your roommate in that room. Um, <clears throat> That's a pretty tough place to be. We, we saw the destruction of isolationism 
as it related to our elderly, right? One, they stirred up the absolute fear that death was on the doorstep. And, and second, any time that a person, an elderly person was in some type of care, whether it was emergency like the hospital, they couldn't, nobody could go in and be with them. Unfortunately, many people died all alone outside of the care of the medical staff. And I'm not saying the medical staff didn't care. I'm just saying that their families weren't able to be with them. Um, <clears throat> we also saw, um, you know, like I saw with my father being in a nursing home during that time, you know, we had all kinds of gymnastics that we did. In the beginning, we would go to his window and his door and, you know, just try to show him we were thinking about him. Um, and then over time, they developed plans, and so they had they built all kinds of different circumstances with which to try to communicate um, and uh, at least let you see your people a little bit. But uh, all of that to say that um, one of the things that happened is we, we furthered the idea of using technology as some type of replacement for relationship, right? How many guys work or have worked to some degree remotely? You've worked remotely, all right? Um, have you found that to be effective? Some yeah, things could. Talking about at your apartment, <laughs> right? So, so there are some things that can be done well remotely, right? Um, I have a friend of mine who uh, um, who's a, uh, a senior manager um, with Wayfair, and, and they do he, he's head of all these projects of building the software and and whatnot. So, he, at one point, he had nine teams and. You know, he was talking about the effectiveness. He says, man, in some ways we can get a lot done, but in other ways it's, it's hard to build the team um, idea. And, and did any of you working remotely miss a few of the relationships you were having? Right? Um, you felt like there was some loss. Well, the same thing has occurred in relationship to the church, right? I mean, when, when um, you were streaming or... Um, I don't know how it was because I wasn't there, but, but when you guys say when you went out and drove out to Ken's, you guys were in your cars. Um, I don't know how many of you guys were stuck to strict regulation in that, but I can tell you down in Monroe, when we, <laughs> when we first started the outside, when we, we had to put people, families, tried to just create spaces if they wanted them into the parking spots, right? It was a hoot nanny. Everybody was hugging and happy to see each other and all this. I mean, <laughs> rule smooth, you know. People, people were glad to be in contact. But, but one of the things that happened in this is we've gotten the idea that being, streaming a meeting, streaming church, um, is an acceptable practice for the church. Um, and, of course, we all saw as, as churches, again, put up the ability to stream things, lots of people were coming and engaging. But, but research has shown that within the first six months that 32% of the people who uh, started streaming quit streaming, and that same group that quit streaming um, ha 
have not returned to church, or a great deal of them. And so um, there, there's something gravely sad there in terms of what, and some of that is, I'm sure, sin in their lives. I'm sure some of it is, um, you know, the fact that maybe the church doesn't try to be as relational and chase down their people. You know, one of the things we did in Monroe, we created a, a spreadsheet that, uh, you know, we kind of divided up, and we actually created a hot list of everybody who was on the fringe, you know, those people that haven't actually committed to the church but kind of come on an irregular basis or maybe on a pretty good basis, but you know there's crisis in their lives and they're kind of not really in good relationship with the rest of the body. They're not healthy in their, their walk with Christ. So that we could specifically target people to go and call them and reach out and make sure that they were okay. But, but the, the conference, Standing Firm in a World Gone Mad, you know, one of the things that, that uh, they did this year is uh, they didn't stream it, they didn't do a live stream uh, because they wanted to encourage people to come uh, in person. But, um, you know, when the stuff becomes available in a few weeks, I'll certainly share it out with you. There's a lot of good uh, content there. But as we consider this and we think about the church and we think about one of the big issues, one of the challenges that we're having today is, yes sir? I'm, I'm sorry, it took me a while to find the verse. I just wanted to comment. Uh, you were saying the possible different reasons that the 30% or whatever that were streaming just stopped streaming and they never returned to church. Um, it did, during all of COVID, about those, that group, I, I couldn't help but feel it was uh, 1 John 2.19 where it says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be plain that they are not of us. And I, I think, you know, people keep saying COVID was a trial run on the government controlling our lives. God's in control of everything. I think it was a trial run on greater persecution that's coming, but that we should focus on the fact that it's from God. And I feel like it was a winnowing that, you know, whatever cannot be sh shaken comes through stronger and is better ready to face the coming persecution. Because if you have those weak links and you don't know that they're weak yet and you rely on them, that's where great destruction comes because you put weight on it and then everything falls. So, um, but, uh, see that as a possible category for 100% I've, yeah. I've, I've said I didn't bring it up right here but I've said many times I see what happened with COVID as God both uh, winnowing his people and um, also purifying his church yes So, so that's exactly the point where I'm driving to, okay? 
Um, one of the things that we've seen with the rise of individualism over the, the preceding decade um, is that it's listen to your heart, follow your heart. Um, I, I, I did not, uh, let's see, this would have been, I guess, the Wayne Garner thinking in my head who spoke when through my notes, but uh, he, he made a statement that I thought was very helpful caught that saying this, your heart is a terrible theologian. Okay, your heart is a terrible theologian. And in association with that idea, okay, culture is simply religion lived. Okay, whatever your religion is, your culture is how you live. Okay, it's how we use our time. And so there, there are a number of things as we think about this, and we're going to be coming to uh, Miss Jeannie's point here shortly. Uh, but I want to hit a few more just uh, quotes and thoughts to kind of prep us up for some of this discussion. Um, one of the issues that you get, what's the difference between going to a mega church with 15,000 or, or I could even argue 5,000 or so, that those kinds of numbers and online streaming? There is some because you are gathered together and God's grace is abounding in that way. And, and I, I want to make this very abundantly clear. If you, are, if you are providentially hindered, you're unable, your health is bad, there's something going on, you have uh, military duty and so you're on duty so you can't be in. Those are all perfectly appropriate times to stream the service. But when it is in your power to do so, um, please, you need to be in church. But, but one of the interesting observations made is that megachurches push people um, to the idea that, that it's all about, church is all about, an intellectual passing of information. Okay? The, it's not about the body, and that's body with a big B. It's not about body relationships. Okay? And so, whereas there is a certain amount of information that's being passed to us by virtue of what? The songs that we're singing, God's word that we're reading, um, the assurance of, of uh, the forgiveness of our sins, the, the preaching of the word, the Lord's table. Those are all things where information is being passed, but it is not simply that, right? Right? We are the whole host of God. We ascend into his presence. We confess our sins corporately together. We ascend into God's presence together. We are part of the whole host of God's people, worshiping him in his presence. We're a body together doing that, right? And then we come to the Lord's table, right? Oh, by the way, when it comes to the preaching and the reading of the word and the singing of the word that we're doing, all of that um, is relational, right? We hear it by virtue of the elder, the, the minister up here representing Christ to his, to his body, right, to his bride, speaking, and it's relational, right? You hear it, and then you respond. Think about um, just marriage for a second, right? Because I know this has never happened to any of you, 
but but one of one, a husband or a wife, one of them speaks, and then the other doesn't respond. Um, how's that going? Right? There's liable to be some type of difficulty or stress there, even if it doesn't rise to the level of creating a fight. There's certainly that portion of, of life and relationship where it's like, are you valuing me? Are, do you care about me? And it could be as simple as, um, you know, that the trash needs to go out or a light needed to be changed or the kids have this going on. But if you don't respond at all, um, there, there's not a relationship there. So part of what we try to do by the type of worship that we do is it's responsive, right? You hear God's word, what do we say? Amen. Thanks be to God, right? We hear it, we respond. So I want us to be understanding that what we're doing is relational. When, when, when you get the blessing, you talk about may God's face shine upon you, right? It's relational. We are drawing near to God so that we might see his face. Okay? Th these are all important things. And, and I, I want us to see and, and recognize that if we, have, if we think that church is merely the passing of intellectual information, we're really Gnostics. We've separated the intellect from the body and human reality. That's really, we become more about disembodied experiences. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry? So for those of you who, who might be listening in, Miss Jeannie brought up Genesis 8, 21, talking about how God sees and um, saw that, that the men, the hearts of men were evil from their youth, and that part of the response that we ought to be having in church is to hear the word, the spirit convicts us of our sin, and us of responding to it uh, with humility and repentance. Um, and so... I definitely wanted you all to hear that. Not that other people speaking aren't isn't important, but I, I think that's that's absolutely that's absolutely right. Um, when, when we consider the the attack of individualism in the churches, it becomes that each individual attempts um, to become expressive and construct their own reality. And if you're not sure if that's going on in the culture, consider what we have today where a person can construct their own reality by simply saying, I am this or I am that. More specifically, we could say, I'm a man, I'm a woman, regardless of how God created you, or I am this kind of person, or you know, we're even somehow recognizing you know, when people say that they're animals. Odd, odd, odd. It's just, it's just trying to construct your own reality. Um, 
And one of the, the, the strengths of the church is that we are informed, first of all, from God's word and from his people. Okay? So um, every week when we come in here, one of the things we do is we um, cite the creeds, right? Why do we do that? Anybody? Anybody? Why do we recite the creed? To remind us of the foundation. To remind us of the foundation? Okay. So, um, yes, Sam? Uh, to remind us of the conversations we have with other believers from other denominations and supporting scriptures. All right, so it, it creates a, a reminder of the shared beliefs and convictions that we have with our Christians, the Christian forefathers, and uh, who are still alive today. Yes? Um, uh, the place of the creed in curriculum, like for sermons, help us to compare what is said with the historic dates so that we are keeping what's said and historically accurate. Sure, absolutely. So for those of you listening, um, part of that was that to uh, Courtney is saying that we remind ourselves before the preaching of the word what our foundations in the faith are, um, and that kind of helps us verify what we're hearing. Kim? Um, I had it come from the sense of it's all very intimated, so just learning through this that just speaking the word, so speaking those words out loud, I think it's more... So, so what Kim is saying is that, uh, you know, first of all, she's kind of new to the Reformed faith by reciting the creed and by doing it out loud. Um, you know, it's it's helpful and it's it's not just individual. I think it's kind of what you're getting at is, as uh, one of my favorite theologians, Jim Jordan, would say, you know, God's word was meant to be heard because the ear is the organ of submission, right? Uh, when we look at things. God's gift of the eyes is to judge things. So we have a tendency, if we're merely reading things all the time, we're making judgment of it. Um, and, but when we are saying it aloud, all of us are hearing it together, and we are using our organ of submission to those truths found in the creeds. But did, have you thought about this way? When you read the creeds and we say them aloud, that uh, you, are, you are declaring, you are actually betting your life on these truths. You're betting your eternity. You're declaring, this is what I believe. Um, and it, it is corporately um, what, we, what we need to do. Um, here, here's another thing I want us to think about here. Each, uh, the... Uh, the spirituality of individualism is tailored to offend none and affect nothing. Right? To tailored to offend none and affect nothing. Now we know that that is not the call of the church. 
Jesus talked about bringing offense. He certainly offended those um, who did not want to submit themselves to God. There, uh, there is a quote from Flannery O'Connor. Anybody know who Flannery O'Connor was? Um, she's a she's a uh, a Christian author um, who did a lot of writings. Some of them appear, you know, have a little bit of maybe horror or scare in them. But there are always these uh, wise truths involved. And she's got a book called Wise Bloods. I hadn't heard of this one. I actually started listening to it on my way back. But uh, here's a quote from Flannery O'Connor in Wise Bloods. Um, and and it, it, it says this, You don't have to believe anything you don't understand or approve of. Right? Now, now this is actually, she's going to cut in her, in her book, she's going to stand on the truths of God, but this is a character making this statement. Okay? And, and so, in, in this, um, you know, one of the, the strengths of the creeds is that um, we are stating what we believe. And let me ask you a question. Do you understand absolutely everything in the creed? Are there things about the Trinitarian God that are too deep for you? That's right. See, God is infinite. So we're going to always be learning. We're always going to be getting deeper with God. And, and, and in today's world where man's intellect, man is his own God, right? We say, if I can't understand it, I don't have to believe it. If I can't understand it, um, then I don't need to hold uh, morality of it. I don't have to approve of it. Finally, last two points here, and then I'll hit uh, two scriptures. Again, we're just kind of building up towards more and greater discussion here. Uh, the church has become a consumer good and not a God-ordained government. I'll just say that makes a lot of people nervous when you say the church is a government. It's a God-ordained government, okay? But in, in modern individualism, you know, what do people do? Have you ever heard a person say that they're shopping around for a church? And I actually believe most of those people have good intentions when they say that. But what has happened is we've created a culture where we say, oh, I have this, I, you know, I, I want to find this, something that services me, something that meets my particular needs. And I'm not stating that the church should be like, um, you know, a, uh, a terrible experience of which there's no value to you. Um, and, of course, I would argue the value is God and his people, even if they have sins and struggles and everything else. That is all God's purposes in, in, in working in your life. Uh, in those ways. I want us to point out um, this, that in Psalm 87.2, the word says, the Lord loves the gates of Zion. He's, he's speaking about the, the, the temple gates, okay? More than all the dwellings of Jacob. He loves his, his place of worship. That is the people of God worshiping him, coming to him, in, in, as a body he loves the church 
more than all the dwellings of Jacob. In other words, the family is important. Absolutely, it is another God-ordained government. However, the family is part of the church. And in one sense, when we come in this door, okay, when we come in this door and we begin this service, and, you know, you're, you are a married couple. You are a family with children, right? Um, you come in here, and you are those things, but when we begin worshiping God, right, we are all the same. We're the body of Christ, men, women, children, right? This is why we don't want to get in a place um, ordinarily. It was a little different during COVID. And we're trying to limit some, some passing of germs and whatnot. But ordinarily, we don't want to be in a place where a dad is taken off the hunk and then he's administering the, the uh, sacraments to his family because um, you don't need Tim to mediate you to God, right? So the officers, when they come in here, right, they are representing Christ to the people, and they are administering it out. And then when, when you receive the commissioning, you're reassembled as your family, as, your, as a couple, and you go out, and your homes become outposts for the Lord, okay? And I know what I said might be different for some, but I am absolutely confident that this is God's view of his people. We become one people in here, right? And that doesn't change the fact that you're married, but I want us to understand that when you, when that bread comes along, and of course, if you have a small child that needs help carrying it, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the mediation component, right? But when you look at your child sitting next to you, that child is your brother or your sister in, in this time in here, right? And so I, I just want us to be mindful of that. The centrality of the church is very important. One last thing, um, a point that I, I want to make that I thought was terribly sobering, so much so that when after this was this we had a question several question and answer times where we had all the guests up there and you know there was you know people turning questions and someone asked why one of the questions to the panel was this why is it that um, when other religions although it wasn't spoken I'm sure it had to do with Islam you know when they speak against and they deal with issues relating to LGBTQT plus whatever I'm sorry <laughs> but but all of those letters right um, why is it that they're not being attacked and Christians and the church when we do it we're attacked and Dwayne Garner said this and um, it's absolutely true but it's also sobering for us as the people of God he said this, other religions are not a threat. If you want to overthrow the king, you'll have to go after Christians who are, in fact, the rulers of the world. And, and it, it was funny because 
that, that was said, and that was the last question, and that closed out that question and answer time. And I stood up, and I had Bill Smith right here and another pastor, Rob Hatting, right beside him. And we stood up, and we turned around, and we were looking at each other, and I said, if that's not scary, if that's not scary. Now, it's not scary because we know that Jesus is king. We know that he is strengthening the church. But why is the culture the way it is? It is because the church isn't being faithful. We're not behaving as rulers. Now listen, right now, on a practical level, I, I can't affect what's happening in Washington. Now I can promise you this, when we pray for our leaders, I believe God is at work, right? He is affecting things, I can do that. But you know what else I can do? I can um, do as, as the, the Lord's Prayer instructs me to, and that's what I want us to hear here just briefly, and we'll use this as our scripture, and then we'll get into what all this means next week. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? So we ask this. Okay, what does this mean? People of God, we are asking for this, but we are also, as the church and as Christians, actionable to this. Right? God has given you a life. He's given you a realm of influence, your family, your community, whatever that is, at different times that grows and expands, right? Okay, think about it as a, as a parent. You know, you've got a gaggle of kids, got a lot going on, right? Your kids move out, not that you don't have influence, but you're, what you control every day, that contracts. Maybe you have a lot of employees, and that goes this way. Okay, and then maybe you retire, and, and, and that, that realm of influence contracts. Maybe you're not as mobile as you used to be. All these things, it grows, it expands, it contracts. But are you, are we, organizing our lives, our culture, so that we are tangibly having God's will be done here on earth as it is in heaven? Yes. Yes, that won't be next week, but we'll come back to it. Yes. No, I, I know that that is a little a little on the deep side, and it may not be what we just ordinarily think to. Um, <coughs> it's uh, well, we'll save some of that some of that for later, but I, I want us this week as we go out. As we think about the fact that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father, that it, as it says in Ephesians, that God put all things under his feet and that Jesus, he gave him to be head over all things to the church. That's us. So what Pastor Garner actually said is true. We are the rulers of the world. Okay, And as far as doing God's will right where we are, 
there are we doing the tangible work to center our lives around God's will in our families and our realm of influence and expanding God's kingdom in this way. Yes, ma'am. Which is, which is exactly why those who are the enemies of God, those who hate God and his kingdom, don't want to see prayer go. But, you know, God is so interesting. As hard as it was on that football player, you saw the fact that uh, people will, you know, here on national television where people were praying and, and, and this goes on. And, of course, like a great many things, uh, we need to make sure that, that we continue in prayer because it is going to our God and asking for his blessing. Well, we're out of time. Let's uh, pray here this morning. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this day. I pray, O oh Lord, that your spirit would be upon us. Please prepare our hearts for worship and the renewal of your covenant promises to us. May we, O oh God, respond, uh, Lord, properly to you in submission. And may we take the commission and go out, Lord, and order our lives, our culture in such a way that your will is done here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.